Okay, it's time to commit. 2024 is the year for prioritizing yourself. Begin your new smile journey with Byte, and you could start seeing results in just two to three weeks. Just order your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95 at Byte.com. Byte Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces. Plus, they offer financing options, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA, FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte. This episode is brought to you by Philo. Do you love TV? Do you love saving money? Then Philo is your solution. Philo has shows, movies, and live TV for just $25 a month. You can even try it for free with their seven-day free trial. No contracts, no commitments, no hassles, just a better way to watch TV. Never miss a minute of shows like the hit docuseries Where is Wendy Williams or classics such as Friends. If you can't get enough TV, then there's no better way to watch. Philo has more than 70 channels like BET, MTV, and AMC. And the best part? You can try it yourself with their seven-day free trial. Sign up today at philo.tv slash poppods. That's P-H-I-L-O dot TV slash P-O-P-P-O-D-S to get 50% off your first month. Coors Light presents Heavy Montreal, July 28th and 29th, outdoors at Parc Jean-Drapeau, featuring Avenged Sevenfold, Rob Zombie, and Marilyn Manson. A weekend of hard rock and metal with Gojira, Emperor, Under Oath, Hollywood Undead, and many more. Festival passes are on sale now. See the full lineup at heavymontreal.com. Produced by Avenco. Hi, I'm Mark Striegel, host and producer of this show since 2005. On this episode, we're going to talk some rock, some metal, and anything else we feel like. We're also going to jam some tunes, have a drink, and share some honest opinions. Thanks for listening to the Talking Metal Podcast. Let's get things started. Here's an old classic that sounds just as good today as it did when we were kids.
here on Talking Metal with Madhouse, a song that we saw them perform recently on stage when they were touring with Slayer and Testament and Lamb of God and Behemoth at the PNC Art Center, one of our favorite venues. I'm here with Emily. What a show that was, huh? It was awesome. I love it. We've seen them so, so many times, like I know. Like in the last, I feel like in the last four years, mm-hmm. we've seen them like four times. Yeah, we have. Yeah. And every time they're just so high energy and such a good energy. Yeah. And that is classic anthrax right there. Madhouse. They did do that on But did we remember? Stage. So there was no Charlie. No Charlie. I believe, I it, believe that was Gene, um, what's his name? Hogan, Hogan. I, I think he's. He was. This is embarrassing. He was on Talking Metal. I think not not that long ago. Yeah. But anyways, I think that that's who that was who played. And we were all concerned, Megadeth, but yeah. come to find out, we were talking to some friends after they were done, and I guess his niece got married. That's what we heard. His his niece was married. They were down at the Jersey Shore, which. Is I don't know if it was like on his wife's side or or because it's interesting that Frankie because you know Fra- Frank Frank Bello and Charlie are are related I believe and they took off right after the gig and went straight to the yeah to the wedding so and it is or interesting. The Frankie or wasn't required to be there but Charlie was so anyways yeah it was still a great great set Charlie was missed but great great set and Anthrax you know a lot of times when they're touring overseas these physical ailments act up they do have. Uh, other drummers step in, so it wasn't a total shock that that Charlie wasn't there. Although I was a little little surprised, and it all made sense after Jeff Pizzuti. Yeah, we we, t- we saw Jeff <laughs> informed us that they were uh, all down at a wedding, and I guess yeah. Eddie Trunk was at that wedding too. Oh, that's why yeah, he was down yeah. at the shore. Yeah. Okay, down the shore, I should say. Yeah. Cheers. What are you drinking tonight? Cheers. I'm drinking. I don't know what is this vodka and vodka tonic. Yeah. yeah, and I have a. a Michelob and um, just a small amount of rum and coke here that I'm drinking. So tell us who's on tonight's show. I was really pumped to talk to Matt McJunkins, who's currently out on the road with one of our favorites. Perfect Circle, yes. A band that I've been seeing live since 2000. It's amazing. Right, and I saw my first Perfect Circle show with you at like Roseland and probably... No, you know where it was? It was Irving Plaza, actually. Oh, really? Yeah. Isn't that wild? And that was a great show. I remember we were right up front, and that was... Uh, I believe Jordy, Jordy. Jordy was on base. Jordy on White one, from Marilyn Manson. Twiggy. And uh, that was, I think, Josh Freeze on drums. Yeah. I'm like nine, 99% sure it was Josh Freeze on drums. James Aiea and Billy Howardale and Maynard, of course. Yeah. yeah. Crazy. And that was to support my favorite, A Perfect Circle yes. album, A Third. 13th Step. Right, called? which was a great, great oh record. The album, I recommend that to anyone. If they, I mean, a lot of people like the first album the best. Yeah. Um, 13th Step is my favorite. I like 13th Step the, the best out of the catalog, but I, I love the entire catalog. You know, but on, on that note, let's get into some music here before we get into the interview. We'll, we'll come back before the interview. This is Weak and Powerless live with Matt on bass on this one back from 2013 let's check that out right now on talking metal
a classic Perfect Circle song right there. Performed live in 2013. That's the live version with Matt McJunkins on bass on that one. And uh, right now, I think we should probably get right into this interview that you conducted with him recently for the Talking Metal podcast. So the song we're going to hear going into the interview is a song um, that Matt recorded with his project, The Beta Machine, which is a project he's doing with Jeff Friedel, which, of course, he's been in Pussifer and A Perfect Circle. All these guys have worked together in a lot of different projects. So when they played in Brooklyn, both those guys did a set with The Beta Machine, and then they came back out and did an entire set with with A Perfect Circle. I mean, that's a lot of work. We talked about the double duty in in the interview. So it's it's totally amazing that they did that, because that's... It's not, it's no small feat to do two, right. two shows back, back to back. back. Right. Yeah, totally. All right. Well, what are we going to hear? What's the song we're hearing? The song is called Again and Again. Again and Again. And it's very different from, you know, it's not something that you typically, we typically play on, on Talking Metal, but I think everyone's going to dig it. It's very danceable. It's, it's got, you know, it's a rock song, but it's got, you know, a lot of electronic influence. Okay, we're going to get into this song called Again and Again right now by The Beta Machine, followed by Emily's interview with Matt, the current bassist of A Perfect Circle. And after that, I'm going to come back and play all your phone messages that have recently been left on the Talking Metal hotline. And I'm going to read some emails and we're going to kind of segue into a listener-based uh, episode with all your feedback you guys will be the star of the second half of this show but again right now this is again and again by the beta machine followed by emily's interview with matt mcjunkins here on talking metal Lord 
Stay up. <laughs> Hello, Talking Metal listeners. Emily Striegel here, and I have on the phone with me today, calling in from who knows where. I'm going to find out in a second here. Matt McJunkins. How are you doing today, Matt? Oh, hey, hey. Uh, I'm good. <laughs> Greetings from Frankfurt, Germany. Oh, you're in Germany, Deutschland. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Das ist sehr gut, ja. Das ist sehr gut. Should we do the whole interview in German, perhaps? It would be the shortest interview <laughs> of all time. I, uh, I, I took one, one year of Deutsch in high school, and that was like my freshman year of high school. That was quite some time ago. I don't remember too much. But you probably have learned quite a bit touring. Of course, our listeners know that you're on the road right now with A Perfect Circle. How's True story. How's everything going there? I, I bet you pick up on quite a bit of German and all different languages touring as much as you tour. Um, yeah. So, yeah, over here at Perfect Circle, um, we actually, we have a few days, um, you know, we just finished up like um, a North American leg in Dallas, a festival there. And so we have a few days kind of in between just to, you know, get some gear over here and get things set up. We start um, Rock and Ring Nuremberg uh, tomorrow. So, so are you doing f- festivals mostly, or do you have just uh, headlining dates as well? Uh, it's both. There's, uh, yeah, there's, it's both. It's kind of split up, but um, lots of both, actually. Um, but yeah, some really cool ones. Some, some festivals that I've played before with Eagles of Death Metal. Um, so it'd be cool to be back on, you know, with a different band, just kind of kind of like knowing what to expect you know it's all kind of a blur sometimes but um i'm sure i'm sure and you stay extremely busy and i've been trying to get you on the podcast for some time (laughs) i'm a big fan of a perfect circle but i know you've also been working um on a newer project and i say newer i want to hear the whole background but i know you put out an ep last year for your band the beta machine which i'm really digging and awesome. I, I wanted to uh i know you started this project with with jeff friedel yep. am i expl- am i pronouncing his name correctly friedel you are you are it is friedel and not fradel <laughs> no, um. <laughs> we have you have to tell jeff we have the same struggle because <laughs> my name is also missing a vowel supposedly right. so he's constantly getting people spelling it d-e-l like i'm getting it g-e-l so we have the oh, same right. struggle but tell tell me a little bit about um the beta machine the beta machine yeah so um like you said jeff and i started it a, a few several years back now which uh which is kind of hard to believe like time is it's funny someone just um tweeted this thing today i believe they're like yeah i remember like in 2011 i was seeing these tweets from you guys like talking about this thing called the beta machine it was like (laughs) that was 2011 we're just kind of starting to do stuff and i mean we were working on it even before that but i think that's when we just kind of came up with the name and decided to really do it as a, a full-on band. But um, it wasn't until like 2014 that we started playing shows and, um, you know, just doing stuff when we had time in between playing with other bands and such. And, um, you know, we before that, you know, once we, before we started recording, you know, we found Claire AC, which we had known already before, um, from working with her with uh, Karina Round, and, and of course we knew Matt Mitchell from working with him uh, with Pussifer, and we had spoken to him about 
producing this this thing at the time. They were just instrumental tracks, and um, so yeah, he kind of took a risk, and uh, you know, because <laughs> none of us were really sure exactly what we were doing. We were just like, we have we have all these ideas, and we want to do something with it. So everyone kind of got on board, and and here we are. And uh, yeah, so so it's it's just it's it's been crazy because we write a lot. I write a lot. Um, you know, whether it's for the beta machine or for just, I don't know, like once I started, um, you know, I picked up logic and, and started working like, God, when was that? 2009 or 10 something. And, um, kind of once I started doing that, I realized that, um, it was, it was relative. Once you know how to do it, it's relatively simple to just get your own ideas down, you know, rather than just like, you know, using like a little tape machine or a little recorder or something. It's like, oh, I can like, I can record an idea. I could program a drum thing or play a bass thing. I don't need to be like in a studio or whatever. I can just plug directly into an interface just to get the idea down and like get a decent demo. Totally. Just about anything you hear in your head, you can, you can record and, and build upon, not just like have this rough idea. You can actually like kind of sort of polish it, make things into like a, a, a very usable working demo, and um, so I kind of just went nuts with that. I, That's so I cool. I it's it's a game in. changer, right? Yeah, absolutely. And I, you know, and I, I've always been playing bass, you know, since I was a kid. But once I got into that, I got really kind of into just playing a little bit of everything, or at least you know, writing parts. I'm I'm not. <laughs> I'm not really a, a guitar player, although I'm still I'm trying to learn, but it's slow. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, you know, and like piano parts or like writing, you know, synth lines or strings or programming drums or percussion or whatever coming up, you know. And then, of course, when it comes to vocal stuff, just like you can layer a million harmonies if you want just by yourself and yeah. whatever about it, which is obviously there's pros and cons because then there's like this never ending thing. Like there's no restrictions. You can literally do anything that comes to mind and, and, and put it in there, um, put it down and, you know, like a hundred track, di- you know, this massive <laughs> demo. Like, what are you doing, man? Just like get a night, get a song. Just right. A- and then. You know, anyway, that's that's kind of in the process. So it kind of takes a while because there was also a lot of writing that was just it wasn't necessarily for this band or we, we just didn't know. So it was just kind of like, I have an idea and I'm going to do something with it. And then just like trying to realize those ideas. And even if at the end of the day, those ideas never came to fruition, I was it was still a good way to learn. Exactly. Kind of exactly. Now, now when I write, I kind of know what I'm doing and. I know how to quickly get to the sound that I want to hear in my head. I can, I can reproduce it. Right. Not easily. And it doesn't, it doesn't always come out the way you want, but uh, I'm certainly better at it now than I was say seven, eight years ago. Yeah. And I could imagine like with that kind of tool at your fingertips, you do like you could have a hundred different tracks, but you have to figure out like sometimes less is more. And if you start, you know, you could fall into like a black hole of (laughs) adding, but I have to admit, I love, I was going to say to you, the layers are great. You have such a nice voice. And do you sing, do you sing a lot of, um, do you sing backing with, with a perfect circle as well? I do. 
You do a lot of backing. You've got a really, really nice voice. So you and Claire kind of share. She does most of the leads on this, right? It's about five tracks on the EP, right? Yeah, five tracks on the EP, and and uh, we kind of split leads. Um, but yeah, she's definitely on 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 a, a large, very big chunk of it. Yeah, uh, you know, she. I mean, it was one of the things we got in the room with her. We, we, you know, we had a good idea that it was it was going to sound good, but it was once we kind of started blending those two voices together, and that, that was other. That's the, been the other tricky part, and, and even on you know working on stuff since that EP, but especially then because it was really like recording all these variations of me singing parts and her singing parts, and like it, you know me singing quote unquote lead vocals was somewhat of a new or actually a completely new thing to me so so finding you know trying to find where my voice uh really blended with hers and vice versa you know trying to figure out like how we sounded good together not just necessarily on our own yeah it's really well, tricky cause you guys oh my god so one of the options. one of the tracks i love is again and again great oh, track cool. so this for me is like a turn the lights off <laughs> and dance like sexy dark you know electronic but with this great kind of pop sensibility and the vocal so the harmonies are great and it's a simple kind of you guys are singing in thirds but it works your blend is like perfect i love it thanks listen to you getting all musical about it breaking it down <laughs> always um, always i'm always listening with it i like it no that's <laughs> awesome yeah yeah i you know and and uh god i don't even I mean, the process is so random with us and, and or usually even influences like who I mean, because this is di it's different than what I've you know, what you've been playing on and other bands. It's cool. That's it's, good. <laughs> yeah. yeah. That's what we, you know, and that, I mean, that's actually that's kind of a tricky thing for us, too, because we're playing, you know, we, we're just writing music that we want to hear, like like it's basically the music that we kind of wish we would hear on the radio, I guess, totally. even though there is some, like, there's a lot of great stuff, you know, don't get me wrong, but. It's well, like just what like, is the radio anymore? Like what is the radio? Right. Right. Yeah. I don't even, <laughs> I, yeah, that's kind of a, there's, there's still some stuff out there, you know, but yeah, it's, it, I guess it depends on what city you live in. It's kind of totally. harder. Totally. Oh yeah. Um, things so, that you want to listen to, but. So do you and Jeff like collaborate on, while you're on the road? Cause Jeff's out with you right now as well, right? Yeah. Yes. We're, uh, Right, right now everyone's kind of like trying to adjust to the get over the jet lag and stuff because we just we came over here a few days ago, so we're like, you know, everyone's kind of we're just we're, I mean, everyone's doing stuff, but we're more or less like for a few days just like on vacation. <laughs> I'm you know, like, no one's really working. I mean, I I've been doing some stuff and and responding to some emails and, but that's the main thing is just trying to like get yourself set up to like yeah. get ready yeah. for the. So whatever shop, whatever shit you need, like go get it now and like just handle whatever needs to be handled so that like once the shows actually start tomorrow, we just you have everything you need and you're all ready to go. All ready you to know? go because you're you how, like a, you how long is this run for you? Um, till the beginning of July. Okay. All right. That's not that easy, but then but then we're off for a little while and then we, we go back out. Uh, in the fall okay. as well. So. And so yeah. you're really supporting the new Perfect Circle album. I mean, yep. 
which came out, I guess it's been a month or so now, or when when was that released? April 20th. And this is kind of a different sounding album for for A Perfect Circle to me. Um, I'm interested to know, you know, how you got, you know, involved. But but as far as the album goes, I know... um, I don't know. I think that it steers heavily kind of towards more electronic and piano driven mm. melodies as opposed to some of the the heavier some of the heavier stuff that we used to hear and of course sure. the lyrics you know seem to be heavily influenced by current events as always you know Maynard seems to always have some some strong opinions and some really important things to say but do you think he's steering musically in a more melodic direction less heavy to distinguish APC from from Tool or is that, I mean, are you involved enough in the creative process to even get into that nitty gritty detail? I mean, yeah, those are, those are questions, uh, better asked, you know, um, from Billy and Maynard. They're the one, they're the, they're the creative force behind the band, you know? Um, I, I worked on the record and tracked some bass, but, um, as far as like the real, like, vision and and how it's going to be and all that i mean that's that's up to those guys you know so when they call me to come down and play you know i just kind of put on my like my you know studio guy hat and like just try to try to take whatever it is they want to do and and try to make that as good as possible you know just like playing a live show you know absolutely absolutely it's all about like trying to trying to understand what it is they're going for and trying to like find that pocket of, you know, something that's like, that makes sense, you know, it's yeah. not like over, over the, not over the top or not, you know, too subdued, just something that like totally fits the, the vibe or whatever. Um, but yeah, I guess, but I guess both of them, you know, obviously there's been a good deal of time that's passed since the last, uh, record. And, uh, you know, I think I think this record, at least to me, you know, it's just my opinion. Like, just shows kind of where they're at. You know, with with writing and stuff, they've they both gone through. You know, Billy has Ashes Divide, so you know he's he's worked on that a lot. And like, you know, if you listen to that record, there's definitely a lot of uh, electronic influences and, and stuff involved in that, and piano and stuff. So if you if you kind of listen to Ashes Divide you can kind of hear where maybe some of that maybe comes totally. from on Billy's end with the piano stuff and electronic stuff, I think. Yeah. Uh, and, and with Maynard, you know, um, you know, same thing. He's, he's, uh, he's been working on, I mean, God, how many Pussifer records have there been in that span? <laughs> yeah. Uh, so many, you know, three, what is it? One, two, three, three full length records and a few EPs and remix records yeah. and there's a lot of stuff. So he's, you know, he's probably changed quite a bit as a vocalist and a writer just through that process. You know, yeah. you can't, but just, just having more, more shows and, and more experiences under your belt. So yeah. I mean, I the cool, the cool thing uh, is though, even though these bands have all evolved, they all have their own flavor and you can kind of say, Oh, that's this. I mean, even though they're, you know, you all have so many different projects, they all have their own voice and their own sound, which is really cool. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, I think, yeah, if, if they all just sounded the same, it'd be pretty boring. boring. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> How did you first get hooked up with, with Billy and Maynard? I've never heard the story. 
Um, well, yes. Yeah, so with Billy initially, um, in the, I guess it was December of 2007, um, you know, so I, I had gone to Musicians Institute in Hollywood, uh, music school there, great music school that I, I basically moved to L.A. so I could go there and just basically, you know, start a career in music. I didn't know exactly what that was going to be, if it was like, if I was going to try to find somebody to start a band with at school or, or start my own thing or um, be just like a session guy. I, I just didn't really know. So I kind of ended up doing both. I was like in some bands, but at the same time, um, just, you know, going out and playing like cover gigs or getting hired to record stuff for people or whatever. And uh, in, in part of that process, uh, I got hooked up with a guy named Barry Squire, who's like, um, he puts together bands, you know, like if you, if a, if a band needs like, you know, new players for a tour or whatever, he's one of those guys that you can call and he'll just give you like a list of players and you can just like, you know, rather than like calling around and asking all your friends and Great. like, you know, it's just like, I just need to find some people like, let's just do this. That's so cool. Um, yeah, so, so we, yeah, so we went, so I got a call about, uh, Ashes, and then I didn't even know Billy was doing that. I, I didn't know what Ashes the Vibe was. I mean, it was, it wasn't out yet. It was just kind of like maybe just recently announced. And, um, he had like a song and a half, I think on MySpace or something. And, uh, remember MySpace? Um, <laughs> oh, so yeah, anyway, I, uh, I went on and, uh, you know, I had to learn a couple songs. Um, and I think the audition was like a day later or two days later or something. And, uh, this is crazy. So we went in, I went in, you know, there's, there's a lot of people trying out for this new band and I had met Jeff Friedel. We, we played, uh, a, a show together. He was subbing in for the regular drummer on some other thing. And, um, you know, got along great, played great, just kind of hit it off and, um, hadn't really spoken in a while. I mean, that was probably only like a few months before. And so anyway, going to the audition and I see him there, you know, he was trying out every, you know, he was, he needed a drummer, bassist, guitar player, and eventually a pianist as well. So he was like trying out the whole band and, um, so there's all these people there and there's all these drummers. I like, I know some of the people and I'm like, Oh, there's Jeff. What's up, man? <laughs> hey, what time? You know, I don't remember the exact time, but I, I was like, Oh cool. What time are you going in? Like one twenty. I'm like, no shit. <laughs> nice. We just totally randomly were going in together. Or I mean, maybe, maybe it was set up that way because, you know, I had done some other auditions and maybe Barry thought I was good for the thing or whatever. And I know Jeff had already kind of reached out to Billy's camp to, uh, you know, like put in a word for himself. And, um, so he kind of already started the process, but, but, but it was new to me. So anyway, we, we just, so yeah, we went in there and there was another guitar player and, uh, that guy ended up not being the guy, but, um, Jeff and I just, it was funny cause the thing we had played before was so totally different. And I don't know if he thought this, but I was thinking like, I don't know if this guy's going to like how he's going to play this because you know it was like more like the other thing was more of like uh i don't know like a sort of like a uh new 
like a R&B, fuck, I don't know, almost yeah. like a Fiona Apple maybe type thing. Yeah. Or something. You know, it was more like groove playing and stuff Yeah. Uh, rather than this like heavy kind of hard rock thing. And uh, shit, he, cr- you know, he killed it. Really? Of, which that's was so like, cool. it was such a relief for me because it's so easy to play to a drummer that's that solid and like that energetic. I yes. It's everything as a bass player, right? Oh, yeah. To have yeah, that, like, to find oh, a drummer where you you get in the pocket together and you're just there. Yeah. And, you know, and he, he seems to be comfortable with carrying the weight of the band. You know, every band that I played with him in, he's always the one that's like the most prepared and the most solid, you know, like it. if, yeah. if ever, if ever there's like a doubt of like what's supposed to happen or, Oh, did the, the beat get flipped around or something? He'll be like, yeah, you came in an eighth note later and you got all, you know, like, <laughs> so like, so if things ever go wrong, I just kind of look over at him. I'm like, huh? <laughs> That's so cool. I'll just, I'll just try to watch his hands if, something, if I ever have a question. So, I mean, so drummer, it, drummers get such a bad rap, right? I mean, there's so many freaking amazing, smart ass drummers out there and they just get this bad rap like they're oh me caveman you know me beat stick <laughs> you know but i, I know every, so many every instrument has its kind of like it's cliche or it's uh <laughs> you know bassists have that too you know there's always like there's always those memes of like oh my god i accidentally slept with the bass like, <laughs> you know there's <laughs> like, so many the mean crying and stuff of, like i thought he was the guitarist <laughs> oh no so anyway yeah. so you guys not only are you you know a good team but you guys have to have a lot of stamina because you've been pulling some double duty and i don't know how many shows you've done this but um in brooklyn i know for a fact you guys opened the apc show with the beta machine correct true story um yeah, we we that was just just the last tour, so like last fall um, of the North American run um, with APC. So yeah, we we opened up that whole tour, and yeah, it was it, it wasn't the first time Jeff and I had done something like that. We had done it with uh, Karina Round before, or okay. Karina, you know, who who was also in Pussifer. She would open up the set, or open up the night by you know doing like a 30 minute set and jeff and i were like her backing band so like the three of us would play and then like play her set run backstage you know towel off or whatever then come out and play with Christopher. crazy um, yeah, yeah she's on she's on the ep she's she sings on one of the tracks on the ep yeah yeah, yeah. Power, which uh she helped co-write as well awesome um yeah and uh so 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 we knew like okay like we kind of knew okay, there's a way to pull this off with, like, the way the crew can work out things and, like, you know, whatever. Like you said, the stamina and just kind of... And I, you know, I started um, getting into or trying to at least get into some kind of, like, vocal shape at least by just running through that every day, you know, for at least a couple of weeks before we left. So, like, you know, we're rehearsing with the, both bands, obviously, but... Also, I would like, I would just be at home and like play through, you know, the entire beta machine set, take some water, take like a five minute break and then like play through all the APC stuff, singing, whatever, you know, just to like have the mechanics down. So I didn't have to worry about that, you know, cause I knew it was going to be like 
stressed out about whatever else, you know, like the, the technical preparations were like, that was more taxing than anything really. Just totally. to like, see, kiddos, uh, see our, <laughs> to our listeners, even the pros, they practice. So this is important. <laughs> oh yeah. I mean, anytime you see a show that seems flawless or seems, you know, really good and energetic and everyone's kicking ass, there's like hours, days of just, sitting around playing the same songs over and over um to the point usually where it's just like not fun <laughs> <at all. laughs> totally uh do we do we need to play the song again yeah oh, God. We should, uh, yeah uh, all right and, <laughs> but then like the next day you're glad that you did and, you know you get on stage and something goes wrong or you're like you're distracted by someone in the audience or something gets unplugged you, you don't like lose your mind you're like right oh, okay you're kind you of know, like on autopilot almost. It becomes yeah. like second nature so that yeah. when things go wrong and also you can give more to the performance when you don't have to think yeah. so much about what you're doing. So It's more important to try and make some kind of connection, I think, with the people who are there to see you. You know, Otherwise, you're just playing for yourself and you can just go into a garage and do that all day if you want. That's but so cool. Playing a show, you should be there for people. Absolutely. Um, and so yeah. I, I have to I have to bring up something that I saw on your Instagram a while. I think it was on Instagram a while ago. So obviously I'm a big fan of yours because of your involvement with so many great bands. But my my fandom reached a whole new level when and I might be totally off here. And if I am, I'm going to edit this out. But <laughs> <laughs> I, I seem wait. to remember you posting about Def Leppard Hysteria, the album. Yeah. Yes. <gasps> okay. Do you know how excited I was by this? Because <laughs> this is an album that gets very little love from really? hard rock and metal fans nowadays. See, y- well, you're you're kind of in the cool kid club. You, <laughs> I'm in the metal. I'm in the, kind of the metal world, and it's all about high and dry, which is great. And mm. Pyromania is kind of like my favorite album, and and I would put Hysteria right up there with it. But it gets a lot of shit. People give that album a lot of shit. And I was so pumped to see someone from your circle, the cool kid, giving it some respect. So tell me, <laughs> let's talk a little Hysteria. And, and why, did you, why did you post that? Because I haven't seen you post much about like your influences and stuff. But that was cool. That record, well, first of all, it's funny. I, 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 never, I never realized that anyone gave that record shit. I guess it is like, Probably well at the time, like it was definitely like the most commercial sounding record, right? Yeah. Um, especially with like all the ballads and stuff. Um, but I don't know. I just, I mean, I, I guess it's ob- obviously like a time and a place. But even now, when I listen to it, and I'm not ashamed to admit, like I'll listen to that, like Bon Jovi. I mean, I'm not putting yes. them in the same thing, but like I'm talking about like the ballads, you know, like, yeah. like. I'll be there for you by Bon Jovi. I think is like one of the most fucking perfect, like <laughs> it is ballad songs ever written. Like any, like it doesn't matter. Like, like take the the whatever the stigma that comes with like yeah. having a song like that, and like you know the hair, like the look, and like yeah. whatever the the MTV thing and all that stuff. It's like you listen to it, like every note, every breakdown, every chorus, every do the fucking key change at the yeah. end. It's like, <laughs> I mean, and like, there's there's a lot of songs that have that, like that you can say are like perfect. But to me, I'm like, God damn, that song just gets me for yeah. some reason. Just, oh, I know. I can't escape it. Like as as cool as I want to try to be. Sometimes, but, but the <laughs> I love it. Unless I care, like you know, like you know, when you're in high school and you're like, you're so afraid of like anyone 
like you listen to like something that's maybe considered to be uncool. Like I, I just don't care. <laughs> I don't either. Uh, I don't either. So I was so glad to see you say that because especially I, I love Def Leppard. I don't miss. I'm going to see them actually coming up here in a few weeks. I think I don't know. Um, they're coming out with Journey. They're going out with Journey right now. Be amazing. I, you know, and I'm bummed because I've never seen them play like a, a proper con. Like the last. Ugh few times i've had a chance to see them i was out of town or whatever so um, good but but i did see uh i did get to see um them play like a really short set it was like five songs at the house of blues in la oh that's uh, cool no more and it was like for some i think it was for vh1 i don't know some like promo thing you know there's like maybe like some contest winners or something but uh a friend of mine uh who, who worked with them she uh, she invited me and Jeff and I think Matt Mitchell. We all went down. Yeah, and, uh, and it was kind of funny. I was like watching them with like her and like and like meeting Duff McKagan and like Fieldy. Like there was always this like oh my god ra- random random people there that she had worked with. But um, but yeah, it was amazing. It was like but yeah, it was like five songs. And honestly, I don't even remember what they played. But yeah. I, I, I just talk about harmonies. I mean, I saw them. Oh, I've uh, seen I've seen them at least five or six times. But I remember seeing them at the Beacon Theater in New York City once, where the acoustics, of course, are amazing. And I was like, God, those backing vocals have to be piped in. Those have to yeah. be tracked. But everyone swears. I mean, I've talked to Eddie Trunk about it. Yeah. Like, apparently, this is they're they're doing it, and it's. I mean, just, they've just been doing it for so long. I mean, since they were kids, basically. Yeah. It's insane. They're so fun. But, you know, that Hysteria album. Yeah, sorry. I I didn't even answer the the real question. (laughs) Oh, no. I love it. I love it. We're going off on tangents. We could talk all day about Def Leppard, but yeah. Um, Yeah, so so that album, um, I'll try to say quickly because you only have so much time. Um, That was the first CD that I ever heard. And uh, my oldest brother, Danny, I think I was like five or something. And um, I was listening, I was already really into listening to music, like whatever, you know, whatever my parents listened to at the time. There's a lot of like Elvis and Beach Boys and Credence and stuff like that. And uh, that was, that was the first thing that I remember. Like he had the CD, I think he had maybe just gotten a boom box. So it was like, you know, it was like this brand new thing. And like, you know, it's a big deal. It's like, well, CD, what the fuck is that? <laughs> uh, and, um, and the artwork and like the sound of it, it just sounded so, it looked futuristic. It sounded <laughs> yeah. like it was from the future kind of, you know, like it just, totally. it sounded so amazing. And not that I was any kind of connoisseur or still am not, but, but I don't know. It, it really, it kind of blew my mind at the time. And like, it was like the first, uh, record or out whatever full-length collection of work yeah i love it i love it so much that i that i got like that i was like pulling out the booklet and like reading along the lyrics (laughs) trying to like you know just trying to memorize everything like getting into all the songs all the deep cuts and like i don't know it was just it was really special to me so where are you from could i ask yeah i uh i'm from palm springs but, oh, okay. Uh, I wasn't born there, but uh, mostly grew up in Palm Springs. Mostly Cal- grew up there. Yeah. And, and who else were? You, who else did you listen to once? Once you? I like- mean that that started the whole like you know '80s kind of rock and metal thing. Mm-hmm. So it kind of started with 
bands like, you know, Def Leppard was definitely the first. My first love. Um, <laughs> you know, uh, Guns N' Roses, Skid Row, Motley Crue, Poison, Rat, you yeah. know, all of that shit. Yeah. Uh, and, uh, and then that kind of morphed into like heavier stuff a little later as I got older, like Metallica, Megadeth, you know, Anthrax, Slayer, uh, stuff like that. Nice. And I'm then, seeing Anthrax and Slayer on Saturday. Oh, fuck yeah. <laughs> yeah. Awesome. And Testament. Uh, it's like a, it's going to yes. be a great show. Yeah. <laughs> oh, amazing. Yeah. So, so all that, all that kind of stuff. And then, and then, um, like in the early nineties, you know, just started kind of getting it. It, it was nice. Cause I have two older brothers. So like the shit that they were listening to, like in high school, like yes. I was, was trickling down to me at a much you know, earlier age. Totally. Uh, same way. But, my sister and I had an yeah. uncle who lived with us and they were feeding me all the good stuff. Same thing. Yeah, it was nice. It was kind of hard to like relate to kids like my age. Right. At the, with that kind of stuff. But it was like, I always got along with kids who had older brothers because like they were in the same thing. They were like, like I was fucking wearing Pantera shirts to, you know, school and like, yeah, you know, like the one other kid would be like, "Dude, that's awesome!" I'm like, We're, <laughs> "Did we just become best friends?" <laughs> <Yep>. Totally. <laughs> <laughs> and it's still that way. It's so funny. Like I remember when New Kids on the Block were like really big, and I was just like, "What is this?" Like I never ever got into that. I was always the the one at the slumber party who was listening to you know Guns and Roses and Metallica, and all the girls were like, "What is that?" I had like two girlfriends <laughs> that we would go off and like in the attic and listen to our, our metal. So it is right. kind of a, a, a small club, I guess you could say. Yeah. I mean, it's bigger than you'd think, but I guess when well, we were yeah, in school. Well, yeah, at the time it seemed very small. I mean, it's the same thing with like Star Wars. I mean, I remember like yes, at my age at that time, I was way into it, but like you didn't really know what that was unless, or you weren't like way into it unless you were like either a certain age or you had siblings who turned you on to it and like, Totally, totally. Then, yeah. then as I got older, I realized I'm like, oh wait, everyone's into this shit. <laughs> no. Everywhere now, damn it. Did you see? Was- I I don't even want to know. I don't don't say too much because I I haven't seen it yet. Because long story, but I I didn't I wasn't able to see it when it came out on Thursday. I had tickets, but the projector was broken or something. Uh, but did did you see Solo? Did you see it? I did. I saw it here uh, a couple days ago. And just like two second, uh, like, uh, can you say like five words or less? Ten, oh, ten words or less. I don't want to spoil anything for anyone. I don't, I don't know what to say. You, I don't even like when people tell me if they liked the movie or not. Okay. I feel like that, even that spoils it. Okay. <laughs> you know what I mean? You're right. Like, you're absolutely the right. Your perception of the thing. Um, we'll have to talk after I see it. After I see it, I'll okay. have to ping you and say, okay, we, then we can discuss. But yeah, we, I went on Thursday. and um, was, like, in the theater with popcorn, drinks, everything. And (laughs) the manager came in and was like, they had some problem loading the projector. Uh, Like, what the hell does that mean? It was bad. But they refunded everything and gave us comp tickets and refunded our food. So it was – but I still haven't had a chance to see it, I guess, this weekend. Oh, that's – yeah, that that would (laughs) – be extremely traumatizing. That was a little that. traumatic for everyone involved. But anyway, so you talked about how long the tour is going. What's next for Beta Machine? What comes next? 
Um, so yeah, right now actually we've we've been working on stuff, uh, and we have some 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 exciting things going on, but I can't really say what. But um, but there's definitely going to be new material. Um, we've been working a lot um, once again with uh, Matt Mitchell and Claire and uh, Nick Perez, who is now playing guitar with us, or he has been uh, since we first started playing shows, but. You know, on the EP, there, we didn't have a band yet, so it was just kind of like piecing things together with my horrible guitar playing. Poor, <laughs> poor Matt had to sit there and watch me try to play like the simplest part a million times. It's just like, all right, man, you almost got it. <laughs> <laughs> there, there was a there was a handful of times where I would be in the I'd be in the room with him trying to play a part, and he's like, yeah, just if you just try to do it like this, and you're like, okay, like trying to get it, and I'd be like. Dude, you know what? Here, just you're <laughs> just a guitar player. Guitar. Like, why don't you just play it? You know, like <laughs> I could tell he was. That was like definitely the best way to go, and I think he just didn't want to say it. But yeah, yeah, <laughs> I was like, all right, like, all right, just uh, but uh, yeah. <laughs> it's funny. Just, like all right, just you play it. It's gonna sound better. Well, you know what? You're a bass player. I mean, it, and you're yeah. you're learning. It's good that you're learning, but yeah, I like I like. Well, it's it's the it's the most fun. Well, not always, but I like it for writing. I feel like, uh, especially when you're getting to the point to where you're writing lyrics and working on harmonies and stuff. Um, I mean, melodies. Um, just to be able to strip a song down to just playing acoustic and singing it. Totally. If it if it works that way, you know, like then I I feel like usually it's just for me. I, I think a lot of people kind of use the same uh, logic, but not every obviously but but it seems like to me if it, if you can strip it down to those fundamentals and if it works and it's it's compelling and it sounds good that way then like you can add whatever else to it and hopefully it'll still work but like the core of it you know if if it's the easiest way to work on on songs for me at least well, at least when it comes to writing Whatever you're doing is working because I, I really, really dig the EP so much. And I'm looking forward to whatever else you guys have coming up down the road. We're going to keep our ears and eyes open for yeah. whatever the beta machine has. I wish you luck out on the road with a perfect circle. I really hope that you know, the jet lag uh, subsides. <laughs> and you have a, Not so bad. Not so bad. Getting there. I hope you have a successful tour. And um, all of our listeners, Talking Metal listeners, check out uh, the beta machine's EP titled All This Time. Basically, it's it's available pretty much everywhere. Where would it be the best place? Do you have a, a website and you're yeah, on Twitter and Instagram? Yeah, we're on we're on all this stuff. TheBetaMachine.com is kind of the best hub. Um, we have a few videos on YouTube for um, again and again, um, the end and pictures. So you can check those out. And yeah, we're on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, Spotify, iTunes, Amazon, Google Play. Title, I think, even. I don't nice. Know. All over the place. All over. Yeah. We can find you everywhere. That's so cool. Well, I, I'm thrilled that we finally had a chance to speak, and I hope you'll come back on Talking Metal again soon, and please stay in touch. Yes, likewise. Uh, I'll be sure and bug you when I have an update with the beta machine. Please so. do. I would love that. <laughs> come back on soon, okay? And we'll, we'll talk on solo. Okay. <laughs> we definitely will. We'll speak <laughs> soon, Matt. Thanks so much. All right. Thanks for having me. Okay. Bye. 
Feathers by A Perfect Circle here on Talking Metal. Some new music by them. They have a new record out right now that is called Eat the Elephant. So definitely check that out and check out A Perfect Circle when they come through your neck of the woods and also check out The Beta Machine. Good stuff, Emily. Thank you, as always, for doing that. Yeah, and thanks to Matt for coming on. That was so cool to talk. I can't wait to talk to him again. And thanks to all you listeners for having an open mind because, you know, we call the show Talking Metal, but we really celebrate all things loud on this on this podcast. Uh, you know, Emily and I both love loud rock and roll music, and sometimes that qualifies as metal. Sometimes yeah. you, know, you stretch I mean, the even boundaries when, Yeah, even bit. when we did our top 10 countdown, I had a really hard time with that list because we tried to keep it metal-based, but... You know, based on that, I, I left off the Queens of the Stone Age album because you and I debated like, oh, was well, that really, is, you know, can right. we even call that metal? So a lot of it's borderline, but it, yeah. it's not like we only listen to metal. And I told you this story, but I'll tell it to the listeners. One of the bands you picked on that uh, year end special, what were they called? <laughs> orange Black or something? No, Code Orange. Oh, Code code Orange, Orange Black. That's some TV show or something. Um, yeah, Code Orange. So I'm in the car and I'm listening to WSOU. And I'm hearing this amazing song uh, on the radio and I pulled out my Shazam app and I Shazammed it and it tells me it's code orange. And I felt really like... Go on, go on. Like like Emily had really schooled me because when I first listened to that song back when you picked it, I thought I I heard something by that band. It sounded kind of cheeseball-y. They were they were in my top ten albums of two thousand seventeen. The song I heard just last week on SOU was freaking amazing. So thank you. Yeah. So. I mean, we argued back and forth about that and you were just like, eh, I mean, you were so down on them. And I think I even like tweeted about it. I was like, this was an album that I loved and Mark hates it. Yeah. And what do you guys think? Yeah. Well, I, I now heard this one song that I around. liked. So I, uh, Code Orange, uh, I have to go add that to my Spotify playlists and get schooled. Thank you. I feel redeemed. Right. Right. Yeah. You are. You are. And... I apologize if I uh, gave you. you a hard time. <laughs> really hard time on that one. <laughs> yeah. Anyways, guys, let's uh, let's do this. Let's get in to another track right now. And when we come back, I am going to play down your phone messages and read your emails and your tweets and your messages that you left on the website, which is talkingrock.net and TalkingMetal.com. A big shout out to Mike, who we saw, I saw, you were you were somewhere else, Emily, but I went and I, I found Mike, the, the Greyhound dad at the show the other night at PNC, and Mike was there supporting in a Talking Metal t-shirt. Hells yes. Mike Jones, right? Yeah, Mike Jones. And uh, Mike, it was great talking with you and hearing a little bit of your story. He lives in Lawrenceville, New, New Jersey, commutes nice. into the city every day. I don't oh know if God. that's when you listen to the, the podcast, but we love all your pictures on Instagram that we're looking at right greyhounds. now. Of your greyhounds. Just one, I think Oh, is it said. just one? Yeah. Man. Yeah. Because I asked him the other night at the show. We're a little bit dog crazy in this yeah. family, so we love all the dog instas. And this dude, Mike, is at the Slayer show in a talking little yeah, t-shirt that is it. so awesome. Mike. And that picture, I, I, I reposted a picture of him at Red Rocks. Yeah. 
which is like, oh, a, which is right there. Yes. We're looking at that right now. Love it. We love the support. We are so appreciative of you guys. And yeah. So thanks, Mike. I'm yeah. sorry I didn't get to see you. I was running around like looking for a pretzel at that point. <laughs> yeah, and we, we met a bunch of people at the show the yeah, other we night. Did. So it was really nice talking with everybody, not just Mike. And thanks for all your support, guys. Mike, we love your T-shirt that you were wearing. We want other people to wear these T-shirts. They're available by just simply sending me a PayPal donation. You know, do it as a you, uh, do it as a, like a donation, or that you're sending a friend money. You don't need to do it as that you're buying goods for me. If you do, it's not a big deal. But just for tax purposes, it's better to avoid that. Um, and what you do is send me twenty bucks if you're a U.S. resident. Send me twenty bucks. You know, if you're Canadian, I could probably do it for twenty five. Overseas gets a little dicey; it's kind of expensive. But you know, maybe we can work something out. Just let me know. But uh, and I'll send you out a, a T-shirt. I don't really make much profit off these. I do. I think I make a four dollar profit on each shirt by the time I the cost of the shirt and the postage and all that, but that doesn't really matter. It's more important to me that you guys have these shirts and you're out there wearing them like Mike was at the Slayer Anthrax show. And uh, I'd love to send one out to you. I got all sizes, small through three uh, XL. So whatever size, if you're a tiny dude or lady or you're a big dude or lady, I, I got the size for you. Just let me know. I'll send it out. Send me your shirt size, your address, and a $20 PayPal donation to my PayPal account, which is striegelmark at gmail.com. All right. And on that note, let's, uh, let's hit something hard rock. Who are we seeing next? Next, we're seeing Journey and Def Leppard. And then after that, we see Whitesnake, Foreigner, and... Well, you're going to the Monkees in between there. You we're not going to play the Monkees. Um, <laughs> then, let's see, after... You know, the guy you're going to the monkeys with, what's his name? Tommy, Tommy London. Yeah. he's. Let's listen to this. Let's play his song. Because I know it's not metal. It's it's more kind of commercial rock with maybe oh, a Oh, we a didn't hard play edge. it because we did it on... Um, yeah. Now, Emily interviewed this guy on our other sister podcast, Talking Rock. Tommy's the best. But let's play his song. Of Would course. he mind if we played it? No, okay. he wouldn't mind. All right. Let's, let's hit it right now. This is Tommy London. Do you, do you remember the name of the song? I really Sugar like it. Sugar Red. It's, yeah, it's very catchy. Very catchy. This guy, I don't know if we should say this if he gets embarrassed by it, but he was all over the gossip columns the other week. Well, yeah. He's definitely, he's good friends with Lady Gaga and she was in town, so there were a bunch of pictures of them up. But yeah, he was looking nice. good on the street, as, as was she, uh, and this He's sounding good right here on Talking Metal. This is a little Tommy London. Here we go. And when we come back, uh, I'm going to be probably doing the rest of the show solo, addressing your emails and phone messages and Patreon uh, messages. So again, here we go. Tommy London.
right, guys. So this part of the episode belongs to you guys, the listeners. Here is a Talking Metal request. This is Manifesto by Harry Curie for the Sky here on Talking Metal as requested by Greg. Greg, I will see you at the uh, the Ghost concert. And again, here is your, your request. Harakiri, Her- am I saying that right? Harakiri for the Sky. And the song is Manifesto.
a little Harakiri for the Sky here on Talking Metal as requested by Greg. Greg, thanks for that request. We are keeping things rolling here on Talking Metal. We're going to get into your calls right now on Talking Metal. I also just wanted to say a big thanks to Matt from A Perfect Circle for joining us and to Emily for doing that interview and being with us on the first part of this episode. Great stuff. So right now, let's get into the calls from the listeners. All right, here we go. We got Greg. I think this is... No, that was Greg who did the request. This is Gene. All right, here we go. Gene. Hey, Mark. It's Gene from Minnesota. So I've been meaning to call for a while. I know you've been asking for calls. I apologize for not getting in sooner. Thanks for calling, Gene. Uh, just, I had a, used to, usually have a list of stuff I'd like to bring up, but I've totally lost track of where we were. I know we were going to talk. I was going to mention IPA stuff. Um, I myself am a uh, connoisseur of the IPAs myself, but I don't, uh, oh, I I don't recall what I was going to mention. Man. But uh, moving forward, I, I just listened to the Vinny interview. I just wanted to touch on a few things on that. Um, you had mentioned on um, social media on uh, Facebook that you were you decided not to ask him about his um, the, the rumors of a sex change or his sexual orientation. Um, I'm you know it's cool that you didn't you opened the door you 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 kind of you know asked him about what he's been reading on social media you you opened the door for him and he could have addressed it. Um, I don't I think that it's something that maybe he's not comfortable talking about. I mean this is all brand new to him coming out. Just going to hit pause there for a second. Yeah, Gene, you left this message a while ago, and since then he was asked about it. And obviously, from that response, it's quite quite definite that he is uh, not comfortable talking about and, it. And I mean, as far as coming out and back in the public view and sharing his life again with people, and just the uh, the, the community that's rallying around him. But yes, of course, he's going to have his detractors, and unfortunately, it sounds like he's on Facebook or on social media reading some of these things and it's affecting him in these interviews. Like when you asked him about, can he still shred? And he, he just was like appalled that people think, uh, think that he cannot shred anymore. Yeah, I, I think don't it's think a valid question. Have you maintained your skill level? We no, don't know. What I don't think he has been, you've been hidden. So where are you at with that? It was a valid question. It's a bummer that he's kind of going about this route, but I think, that's the problem is he's all over social media and we're probably looking at YouTube videos and stuff. And that question keeps coming up and I'm sure he's frustrated. He'll answer that question, obviously when he gets out and he can show people that he can still shred. Um, so you can still shred an acoustic, but it's obviously it's a, it's a whole different animal. Yeah. He couldn't um, shred an acoustic. He looked like he could barely play to me. Talking about uh, the drum machine, how he wants to use a drum machine. Sorry, Gene. Yeah, these these uh, messages are like two minutes long, and you always get cut off. But I I think it's appalling that he's you know was com- just really disrespecting the great late Eric Carr and saying that those Kiss songs sounded hey, better with a drum this machine. Part two uh, of my uh, my call, the drummer situation with him um, not really appreciating organic drummers or human drummers that he just likes the, the precision and the relentlessness of a drum machine. Um, I would say recommend that he, if, if instead of going into that route, because it's, it's just, it's not going to look right when he's on stage and he's shredding, he's a drummer up there. Tell him to call Gene Hoagland and see if Gene Hoagland would do it. I know it's a stretch, but Hey, you know, you got to try. 
Anyhow, brother, thanks a lot for all you do. Appreciate it. Uh, just keep on doing what you're doing, and we'll uh, keep on listening, man. Take care. Thanks, Gene. Yeah, I just speaking of, of Gene Hoagland, I just saw Anthrax, and I'm fairly certain Charlie was at a wedding, and I'm fairly certain it was Gene uh, Hoagland filling in for, for Charlie, which was kind of uh, interesting to, to see that. I'm, I'm not, you know, I haven't Googled it, so I'm not positive. Hey, Mark, I think Gene that's from what Minnesota it was. Again. Hey, Gene. I was thinking about the, my previous call, and I wanted this to expand a little bit on... message came in on, a few hours later from Gene, the by the way. Out here. Um, the whole Vinnie Vincent sexual orientation thing. Um, like I said in my previous call, you opened the door so he could answer it, but he decided not to, which makes me kind of wonder if he's leaning in that direction, but he's still just keeping it close to us. I don't know if I really articulated that very well. But um, I also want to say for, for those of us who are curious about it, I think it's more just to get it out in the open and address it. Yeah, and who cares? Move on. It's Nobody 2018. Really cares. I, don't, you know, I don't think most of his fans um, are going to hate him if he if he. It has, is changing sexual orientation. I think it's just people just there are are need to know things. You know, it's not a, beyond curiosity. You know, like when Lance Bass was hiding his sexuality and he came out, everybody's like, "Oh yeah, we kind of figured," and then everybody moved on. And now he's living his life as how he wants to do it. So I wish Vinny would just, you know, if he if that's what he wants to do, or then just move on and and be or even be an inspiration for others. And finally, I um I forgot I wanted to mention that Wasp song. I'm sorry, the Who cover, Wasp Who cover, the real me. You guys kick ass on that. I Thanks. had to call back and mention that. That was killer, man. Good job. Thank Take you. care, man. Cool. Thanks. Thanks, Gene. Yeah, he's not comfortable with it. Vinny is a guy in his 60s, and I do think the older generation, there is more taboo around, you know, homosexuality and, and bisexuality and trans transgender and stuff. There's definitely less acceptance among the, the older crowd with, with that type of thing. But who knows, man? Yeah, you know, he should just... Whatever, dude. You know, you, you live your life as a woman. Just admit it. It's so freaking obvious. And any of these Kiss fans or Vinny fans who don't r- r- see that, they're freaking blind. But uh, anyways, okay. And the fact that he did this interview after mine and and they did ask him that and he just, he still really couldn't address it. I think he said he stopped correcting people when they'd refer to him as a woman. But you look at him, he's a woman. All right. So enough of that. All right, another uh, call from another regular. Here we go. Hey, Mark, this is Leo from Alaska. Leo. Quick message about, I know you're a huge Maiden fan, one of your all-time favorite bands. Absolutely. I'm not sure if you're familiar with the song called Emerald by Thin Lizzy. Sort of, yeah. The Jailbreak album, probably their biggest album, but the last song on that album is called Emerald. And when I first heard it, I thought, is this like a lost Iron Maiden track? It sounds so much like, all of Iron Maiden's, like if you took the first album, let's say first album, Killers, and through Number of the Beast, it could easily be on one of those albums. And it okay. obviously predates that. And Maiden was Thin Lizzy fans, along with like UFO and Sabbath and Deep Purple. And Definitely. Steve Harris, like Wishbone Ash a lot. And, I, and they liked early Scorpions. I mean, they liked a lot of heavy rock and heavy metal that preceded them and progressive stuff, too. But uh, they were Lizzy fans, too. But that song, Emerald, the bass lines, it's got the gallop. It's got the, uh, of course, twin guitars, melodic trade-off guitar parts. Even the, the rhythm guitars and the drums, that is like Maiden in one song before Maiden. But just a little comment and note. But like I said, it's a cool listen. You might be Emerald. familiar with it. But, okay. you know, I heard it you know, lots of years ago. But my son and I watched Live and Dangerous uh, 
DVD together and I was pointing that out to him and he made the comment to me, yeah, it could have been, if you put it on a Maiden compilation, somebody might not even know. Wow. I got to listen to this again. Phil Linnett is a different singer than Paul Deano or early Bruce Dickinson. But anyways, hope things are going good for you. Uh, Take it easy. Let's hear that. Emerald by Thin Lizzy here on Talking Metal. With their shields and their swords To fight the fight they believe to the right Overthrow the overlord To the towns where there was plenty They brought plunder, swords and flame When they left the town was empty And children would never play again
Thin Lizzy here on Talking Metal. Leo is back with yet another call. Here we go. Hey, it's Leo again. Uh, I didn't get cut off, but I forgot to mention in the video Live and Dangerous, what my son brought up too, which I noticed, is on the song Emerald. They, the dudes got their uh, feet up on the... Uh, front of the stage monitors just like maiden did in the wow. early days when steve harris would, like look like he's shooting the crowd with a gun when he's doing his little finger playing bass lines and uh like his bass pointed at the crowd i should say he's not shooting the crowd but but, mean, uh, yeah. but uh but the, yeah they even got their feet up on the uh on the on the monitors there like that but also hey real quick you know sleep as they as the kids say dropped their album on 420 with no pre-note i go to this one website a blog website that's a uh, pretty popular stoner doom website called the obelisk i believe it's pronounced i, I think and uh that dude didn't even know about it nobody knew about it they just threw it out i guess it's on that white stripes guys record label and i ordered it directly from them and i'm glad i did uh, i think on a special orange or green vinyl i think a green vinyl that sold out already the first day but i ordered it the first day and then i listened to the uh awesome. I guess it was up on youtube the whole album and it's awesome cool really cool album but uh they just they didn't tell anybody no promotion nothing i thought it would be coming out sometime this year they said but they just threw it out on 420 without telling anybody yep and like i said i listened to it while doing my uh west coast friendly 420 behaviors up here you know nice. in alaska yeah. washington oregon and california the whole west coast is uh cannabis friendly at this point legally other than federally i guess but right right statewide it is but anyways also i got the Derek smalls album really cool Love's final oh i saw the video really good and a new album coming out that should be really awesome is the portland doom band yob y-o-b i know him well yeah it should be out in june and every one of their albums and and it's june already now they're a really good band i don't think you're familiar with them i mentioned them before yeah, sorry, Leo, you got cut off again. But yeah, yeah, Yob, yeah, I know those guys. And sorry it took me so long to play your message. You left it a month or so ago, or maybe even more. I don't know. Uh, one more voicemail. I'm sorry, I'm just kind of blowing through these quickly, guys. But um, but yeah, uh, just a low energy today. Uh, just exhausted. But all right, let's get to the last message. I don't. I didn't note who this one's from. Is it Jerry? No, no, it's not Jerry, actually. It's, uh, this is a rare episode. No message from Jerry from Long Island. All right, let's, let's get to this last message from a guy with a great name, Mark. All right, here we go. Hey, Mark, this is Mark from Atlanta. I just finished listening to the Talking Metal podcast episode 746, followed by the Rock and Roll podcast episode 201. Both were starring you and BJ Cramp. Both of these were great episodes. I mean, you guys said that making a podcast isn't easy, but both of you make it look easy. I also like the new uh, music that was played on this episode. I plan to pick up the Royal Orphan record, and I had forgotten that the band Hawaii had some good stuff. Now, while I love your interview episodes, I really like the music-based episodes as well because cool. I always find a gem I wasn't familiar with. I'll admit, though, that your list on the Rock and Roll No Shame Member podcast really surprised me in a good right. way. I was glad to hear that you came out of the closet on your musical taste because that gives me hope that I can one day admit my love for the violent films Blister in the Sun 
Thomas Dolby's blinded me with science, and Kajagoogoo's too shy. Those aren't nearly as embarrassing as the ones I, I played on that now, show. I guess it's out there now. Anyway, great job on the podcast. If you get a chance, I'd love to hear some Lev Sin, uh, either Let Me Out or Immortal Sin. Keep up the good work. Rock on. Thank you, Mark, and thank you for the nice compliments about uh, the podcast and about appearing on BJ Cramp's podcast. And yeah, those songs you you listed, dude, those are cool songs. The ones I did where they were like, man, they were really, I picked some real doozies on that one. But I do like those songs, and uh, yeah, that's why I guess they call it No Shame, right? But it's great to hear from you, and I don't think you've left a message before, so thanks so much, Mark. We really appreciate it. This is Live Sin with Let Me Out for Mark in Atlanta.
little live sin here on Talking Metal. This one comes in via email. Hey, Mark, listening now to the latest episode, and it's awesome. Regarding a question left by Leo about bands not playing on their own albums, I know a bit about that. You're right. Back in the day, the Beach Boys did not play the instrumental tracks on their albums. Most bands didn't. Any bands on a major label would have been laughed at if they wanted to play on their own records. Like, yeah, I mean, um, the guy who wrote this, I guess, is, what, Dwayne? Yeah, dude, I mean, didn't, like, Motown on all those records, they had, like, an in-house band, I think? Anyways, he continues, the studio, the studios had hired bands who would play the tracks with precision and were used were used to working in the studio environment. Generally, the bands themselves that were credited were the live band. They were the face of that sold the records and played the live shows. Not only that, but having another group of musicians left the band available to write with the studio writers and to make public, in, public appearances. The Beatles were practically the first major band to record their own music in the studio. After that, it became more expected that bands play their own music on the record as well as live. Um, But particularly adapt musicians like Jimmy Page would still be called in to record various tracks or solos as session players. And, uh, yeah, you go on and on. I believe this is posted on the, uh, and it's great stuff. And I believe this is posted on my Facebook page or somebody's Facebook page somewhere. So thanks for this message, Dwayne. And, uh, you end it with have an awesome day and, and you have an awesome day too. And you mentioned, Oh, I do want to mention you uh, later in the, the email, which I'm sorry, I'm not reading the whole thing. You, you say, the uh, or the Facebook posting, whatever it is, you say there's a documentary about the biggest session band probably ever. It's called The Wrecking Crew, and you highly recommend it. So there you go. Everyone should go check out The Wrecking Crew. And this email, uh, I'm not sure. I think it comes in through email or Patreon. Uh, it's from Jens. I think that's how you pronounce your name. I hope I'm pronouncing it right. Jens. Hi, Mark. Jens here from over in Sweden. And I'm sorry if I'm butchering your name. I hope I'm not. I've been listening to your show for at least five years, and I thought it was about time for some support. Yeah, Jens, you joined us on Patreon, and you are awesome. I want to send you a shirt. It'll cost me a fortune, but send me an email with your size and your address in Sweden. I'm going to send it to to you because I, I, I love you, and you're giving a, a pretty big donation there on the, the Patreon page. So, yeah, send me your shirt size and address, please. You can send it to mark at talkingmetal.com. Okay, so let me continue his email. I've been listening to your show for at least five years, and I thought it was about time for some support. I like your interviews, but just as much the music-based shows to find new slash old music I haven't heard before. I'm bold enough to request two songs. I'm going to be bold enough here to request two songs. First, I think you should play the band. Oh, you're killing me. I don't, I don't know how to pronounce this. Hyalis and the song Star Rider. Over here, a lot of people anticipate them to be the next big thing. Ghost size, even. Wow, cool. Also, you must play Nocturnal Rites. Uh, they're personal friends of mine, 
and the song A Heart as Black as Coal. They need to be bigger over there. Cool, man. Uh, let's let's check it out. And thanks for your support, man. Uh, we'll check out both of these. Here is the... Let's start with Nocturnal Rites here on Talking Metal. Mm, there's something in those eyes A thing you can't define To burn our back and holes are full of dying A twist of little mind
start is Black is Cold by Nocturnal Rites. And to end today's show, we are going to hit, I don't know how you pronounce this band's name. Hylas? Hylas. I'm sure that's nowhere close to what it, it is supposed to be pronounced uh, as. But anyways, the song is Star Rider. And here we go on Talking Metal. Thanks for your support, guys. I really appreciate everything you do for us. And uh, leave us a voicemail at 973-757-1917. 973-757-1917. And I will play it on the podcast. All right, guys, we'll talk to you next time. Here's that tune. Here's that tune. And uh, I'm, I'm pulling it up on iTunes. Maybe it's Hellas, because actually it looks like H-A-L-L. A-S, Star Rider by Hellas. Hellas? H-A-L-L-A-S? I don't know. Hellas. But uh, cool. Let's check it out. I, I can't wait to hear this.
Have you ever wondered how to say good morning in Italian? Or what is goodbye in French? You can ask Alexa. Just say, what is happy birthday in German? Or how do you say hello in Japanese? Do you want to know how to say I love you in Spanish? Ask Alexa and start learning a new language today.